This is Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard of Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now here is Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. If at any point during our show you would like to learn a little more information, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us on our website, www.wellingtonadams.com. And also, if you're at our website, please feel free to head on over to our radio page and you can listen to some past shows if you've missed them. Um, At this point, I would like to introduce our co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. How are you doing, Tony? Oh, Baron, I'm doing great. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. You guys are great for having me on your show each week, putting up with me, asking all my silly questions. And you guys do such a great job of explaining this stuff to myself and our listeners. I think that's fantastic. I've had a fantastic week. How about you, Baron? How have you been? Been a busy week. Um... Dealing with some uh, current market volatility with our clients, kind of going over what our opinions are, which I'm going to talk really briefly about that in the beginning of the segment. But um, yeah, we've had actually a really good week. Nice, busy week. Well, that's awesome. Simon, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Tony. As uh, Baron just said, we've been having a little fun just reviewing the portfolios, seeing if we can take advantage of any of these uh, situations that are out there. You know, a little bit of a market correction is always a good time to kind of reevaluate uh, things are on sale. So kind of look at it from that standpoint and see if there's any opportunities out there to take advantage of for the clients. Yeah, I think that's great. You guys are on top of it and I know you've been very busy. So what are we talking about today, Baron? What's our topic? Well, actually today's episode is titled how to reset retirement plans to weather a downturn. So before we get into that, though, Tony, I want to touch base, as I mentioned before, a little bit on the recent volatility that we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, we want to try to place volatility into perspective, knowing that market fluctuations are pretty much common um, and also establishing a long term plan can really help you ease your fears of volatility. You know, many investors were um, recently rattled by the stock market correction earlier and you know, there are predictions that maybe some more significant adjustments could be on the way. And what it's done is it's really kind of stoked clients' fears. Um, When clients open their investment statement and they see that their portfolio has lost value, it can trigger a feeling of uncertainty that really may lead to impulsive emotional decision-making. You know, we as advisors, we have to make sure that clients have the information that they need to Just consider current volatility in the context of their overall plan and long-term goals. You know, to put recent history into perspective, in the first quarter of 2018, 
Um, investors experienced 11 days with losses of greater than 1% on the S&P 500. Um, you know, when you compare that with last year, the S&P had a total of only four days that closed with such significant losses. You know, fortunately, most of these shifts were really relatively short-lived and they had a you know, little impact on the average investor's portfolio. Uh, but despite all that concern, the S&P lost less than 1% of its total value in the first quarter of 2018. If you remember, we were off to a really great start and then February and March, we had a pullback. But over that first quarter, the S&P had lost less than 1%. Um, you know, for people that have been investing for a long time, um, the investors that clearly remember the last 2008 recession, you know, we all remember that and we all remember what happens and rightfully so. But, you know, how many people, for example, remember Black Monday? You know, it was back on August 8th, 2000, uh, 2011. Investors lost, you know, approximately $1 trillion in a single day on that day. That day, the Dow <laughs> Jones lost 634 points. And it closed at 10,809, lost over 5.5%. And at the time, it made it the sixth largest drop of the index in history. Um, another uh, point to review as far as losses are concerned, on August 24th in 2015, right after the opening bell, um, and then also January 16th, saw 93% of investors lose money as the Dow lost again 5.5% of its value. But what happens is most people have already forgotten those downturns because their portfolios have you know recovered since then. And we just kind of want to stress that clients need to know that market fluctuations are common. And with proper, you know, proper planning and proper asset allocation, there's no reason to panic. Um, you know, older clients with shorter term horizons, they should take steps in their portfolios to mitigate severe drawdowns. And this can really mean investing in a more uh, conservative allocation, as well as using more uh, uh, a tactical strategy with a disciplined approach. Baby boomers and se uh, seniors who are really just relying on their portfolios for income can really better prepare themselves for downturns by just holding a portion of their portfolios in low risk assets, you know, like cash, CDs, um, bonds, things of that, and fixed annuities, things of that nature. And what that'll do is it, it'll avoid needing to sell stocks when the values are low. And in essence, reducing that sequence of return risk that's inherent in, you know, when they're taking monies out. So basically what we're saying is, is we, we you should have a strategic long-term financial plan put in place and it should begin on day one, not after a correction has already occurred. Since market shifts are just normal and they're going to be inevitable, preparing for them really must be incorporated into every client's um, investment strategy. So, though, to get back to where we were talking about as far as the episode is concerned, you've probably heard a lot of chatter about how we may be in the longest bull market in history. But if you search on Google, longest bull market in history, the results that you're going to find are both going to support as well as refute that hypothesis. Um, while this bull market is in the record books for its durability, it's hardly the most powerful. You know, on an annualized basis, the S&P 500 has gained 16.5% since March of 2009. That's when the market started coming back. That's, you know, a bit below the average of 22% since 1932. Um, so the S&P 500's 324% advance during this current bull market is actually the second most um, behind the 417% surge during the 1990s run. Oh, wow. 
So yeah, so I mean, it's a it's obviously the longest one so far, and that's even that's uh, disputable. Um, in the nineties, it's it, um, that run in the nineties isn't without controversy. Be- between July and uh, of nineteen ninety and October, the S and P plunged nineteen point nine two percent over eighty seven days. So a lot of market analysts, you know, may not consider that a bear market because it actually didn't hit twenty percent; it was just rounded off to it. Sure, but if you if you if you look at it, then the the longest longest bull market would have lasted four thousand four hundred ninety four days, which would have made it from eighty seven late in eighty seven to early two thousand. Wow! You know that would exceed the length of the current bull market. Wow! But nonetheless, you know a downturn is possible. So today we're going to look at some ways to you know put together a plan in case that there is a downturn. Sure, sure. And that article, uh, I know. Um uh, we were looking at it's from the August 2018 article from Nerd Wallet and the Associated Press. They mentioned the economy is due for a correction that could trim like 20 percent or more from stock values, and that would be a big problem, I would assume, for people who have to be taking withdrawals from their investment portfolio. Since we all know market losses early in retirement really increases the chances of running short of money in retirement, right? Yeah, that's that sequence of return that I mentioned before. Yep. And the article, you know, does mention a 20% or more uh, potential correction. But they also make one very, very important point. Um, the answer is to not cower in fear, you know, to not let your emotions get in the way, to have faith in the plan that you've put together over the long term um, and plan for the inevitable downturns. Um, the article breaks down four different actions that can help make your money last longer. And we'll talk about them a little bit now. Um, the first action that they mention is diversification. We hear it all the time. Diversify, diversify, diversify. Stocks have actually quadrupled since uh, March 9th, 2009, the beginning of the current bull market. Meanwhile, returns on bonds and cash remain very low. So investors who haven't really regularly rebalanced back to a target mix of stocks and bonds and cash properly they really have much, much too much in their portfolios and stock. It's much more now overweighted because it hasn't been rebalanced. In my opinion, I mean, the time to rebalance is definitely now before markets start really bucking downwards. The right allocation, asset allocation depends on your income needs and your risk tolerance. That's why we actually encourage all of our clients to use our color of money risk analysis tool which you know helps make sure that their current investments are matching their own individual risk tolerance. You know, if you're feeling nervous about the market or a potential downturn, it's a great time to, you know, take a step back and just evaluate if your risk tolerance has changed. Risk tolerance changes over time. You know, it's far from set in stone. So that's something that we um, definitely recommend to our clients to sit down and talk with us about if it's a concern. Well, that makes sense. I know overall in my life, my risk tolerance has changed over time, but I'm not that indestructible 19-year-old that had never met a hot sauce challenge he didn't like. Well, Tony, I'd have to say, as somebody that could be stuck in a booth with you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to stop doing that, and I know you appreciate that, Simon. Yeah, it's important to remember, you know, as you mentioned, that risk tolerance isn't always about less risk. You know, at times, consumers may be more open to risk than others and more confident in what's going on in the economy. In fact, the Associated Press reported in August that U.S. consumer confidence had risen to an 18-year high. The article even went on to quote Lynn Franco, director of the economic indicators at the conference board, and I quote saying, 
Expectations, which had declined in June and July, bounced back in August and continued to suggest solid economic growth for the remainder of 2018. These historically high confidence levels should continue to support healthy consumer confidence in the near term. So it's quite possible that some investors may be open to more risk based on their current financial situations and what's going on out there in the economy. But I have to say, guys, I have a problem with this to some extent. It's okay for your risk tolerance to change due to some factors. You know, if your income situation or assets uh, has changed that situation there, if you become more educated and knowledgeable over the years and want to kind of adjust accordingly, you know, if your goals and objectives have changed. But the problem comes in times like these when the market's boomed for years and the economy's moving in the right direction and things like bonds are barely turning a profit when you compare them to inflation. So we increase our risk tolerance due to greed. And let's be frank, oftentimes that's just what it is. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a difference in saying an educated and understanding standpoint that, you know, in some economic and market conditions, if they show a proactive, positive, long-term run ahead that we might be willing to increase our risk exposure to gain from that. But that's far more educated of a look and understanding than I think most investors have. And can execute while understanding kind of the negative risks that they're taking on to accompany such a decision. So let's just make sure that you match your correct risk tolerance as it changes over the years. And that will help you remain confident in your financial strategy and be able to properly weather the storms, both the ups and the downs that come along. Well, that's a great point. And I know tolerance can be positive or negative, but how often should somebody take that color of money risk analysis to figure this out that you're talking about every month, every year? Well, Tony, you know, I usually advise the clients that they should retake that color of money risk analysis when they meet with their advisor. When they sit down with us uh, each year, you know, depending on the circumstances, maybe every other year, kind of depending on what's going on out there. Or more importantly, if they have any life-changing events, you know, if they get married, if a spouse passes, uh, if they receive a sizable inheritance or a significant job change, or the things that we mentioned previously, you know, those are timeframes when you should retake your color of money risk analysis, reevaluate what's going on out there. Life changes, you know, those are the ones that can really impact your risk tolerance to a significant extent and a good reason to reevaluate kind of your portfolio there. Excellent. Well, I, I think it's interesting. That's a great tip. What's another action that investors can take, though, to weather a market downturn, Baron? Well, Tony, another action is that investors um, can start you know, smaller or be willing to cut back. Um, historically, retirees could minimize the risk of running out of money by withdrawing 4% of their portfolios in the first year of retirement and increasing the withdrawal amount by the inflation rate each year after that. You know, this approach, which was actually pioneered by um, uh, financial planner and researcher Bill Bengen, um, became commonly known as the 4% rule. Since that point, he's actually revised it. Um, there was an article uh, dated August 22nd, 2017 um, by Reddit called Ask Me Anything. And they interviewed him and he was asked, is the 4% rule still relevant in today's economy? And what withdrawal rate would you recommend for somebody planning for longer than 30 years of retirement? So he responded by saying the 4% rule is actually 4.5% rule. And, you know, we at Wellington Adams, as well as many other financial planners, don't maybe necessarily agree with that exact number. Um, I know Simon has um, 
written some articles and talked to a lot of people about how um, those numbers may be a little different. So actually, Simon, why don't you mention a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that he kind of adjusted his up while everybody else is adjusting theirs down. I think uh, we've got a, a thing sitting in our conference room that talks quite a bit about this or gives you a good example of this. S&P and Morningstar, which are two good independent sources of research, did the same thing. They revised that old 5 and 6% rule back in, I think it was 2003, to 4% rule. But they more recently came out in 2013 and said to revise it down even further to somewhere around 28 to 3%. So there's a lot more supporting a uh, lower withdrawal rate just because of the market volatility increasing. And that's where, as Baron mentioned earlier, having a strategy for your income really comes into play because otherwise it's just kind of the dumb luck of when you retire and kind of when the market's ups and downs come. We all know they're coming. We all know that they affect our income and our assets, but more significantly our income. And I think that's something that people really don't understand completely. And one of these days we'll have to do a show on. Yeah. Yeah, we should. And I know that there are obviously differing views, but I think like you say, I've heard people say that it's actually lower. It's no longer 4%. You're going to have to uh, be able to live on uh, a smaller percentage of what you have saved up. But everybody's situation is different, like you say. Now, we're out of time for this uh, first part of the show. Is there anything you want to add before we take a quick break here? Well, we just want to mention to the listeners that we appreciate you tuning in each week, checking us out. Um, we've got a lot of tools and resources on the website at wellingtonadams.com. Uh, you're always welcome to reach out to us on the phone, 855-793-2409. Give us a call if you want to talk about some of these topics that we talk about each week. Uh, sit down, put together a complimentary plan. As we mentioned, every week it's complimentary. There's no obligation to sit down with us. We always set aside a couple slots Uh in our schedule to talk to new clients and to the listeners out there. So feel free to do that. All right. That sounds great. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more on things you can do to weather that market downturn with our hosts, Simon Hilliard and Baron Fitzgerald, right after this. There was a time when quality service was epitomized by face-to-face personalized attention. But technology has changed the world dramatically. These days, access to 24-7 online service has become equally, if not more, important. That's why we offer an online platform that makes managing your finances easier while putting powerful tools at your fingertips. Generational Vault allows you to consolidate your financial life into one place where you can organize, manage, and track your accounts upload important documents, and view your financial information. All data is secured with an SSL certificate that uses a 2048-bit public encryption key, one of the strongest available, to ensure your financial life is kept protected. Whether you are in retirement or preparing for it, Generational Vault can be your new financial home. To learn more about this virtual safe deposit box, visit wellingtonadams.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from wellingtonadams.com. As we previously mentioned, if at any point during the show you want to learn a little bit more information, you know, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us online at www.wellingtonadams.com. Um, next, we're going to talk a little bit about another action, um, paying off debt. Reducing expenses, you know, trims the amount that retirees must take from their portfolios during bad markets. Um, actually, for more detail on how debt impacts your retirement, you can check out one of our previous episodes entitled Debt Danger Online. Um, we've actually talked a little bit about that. 
While we all would like to not have any debt as we approach retirement, most of our clients do. And, you know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Good debt is, for example, your mortgage payment. You can write it off on your taxes. Uh, if your mortgage is 3% and your investments are making 5%, well, it may not be the best thing to just pay it right off. Uh, you lose purchasing power. However, you know, life isn't strictly financial though. So if I have a client that's just, you know, wants to get that monkey off their back and they're not sleeping at night because of it, well then yeah, pay off the house. But you know, there's, like I said, good debt and bad debt. Bad debt, for example, is credit card debt. You know, a lot of times people say, well, what's wrong with charging a modest expense on a credit card? Well, nothing if you can manage to pay off the entire bill by the time it comes due. But if you don't do that, you're going to accrue interest charges for as long as you carry that balance. And those are just going to add to the cost of that existing expense. Not only that, but the higher a balance you carry, the more risk you you um, have in damaging your credit score. Right. Your credit utilization ratio, it measures the amount of available credit used um, at a given point in time. And if it climbs too high, your score is going to take a nosedive. And if you charge expenses and then don't pay pay them off, that's exactly what's going to happen, which is why relying on your credit cards is typically a, just a horrendously bad idea. Yeah. If you if you have credit card debt, you know, always pay it off, pay off the card with the highest interest rate charge first and then pay off the second highest and so on and so forth. And that's why also you need an emergency savings at times, regardless of how old you are or what your bill is like without that safety net you're not going to have a choice but to resort to resort back to debt, which could lead to a world of trouble. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Now, Simon, what's the next action investors can take to weather a market downturn? Well, the next one is maximizing your Social Security benefits. There's a couple of tips that we wanted to point out. One is work at least 35 years. Here's a big myth, myth buster for a lot of you out there, especially with those with pensions that hear some of those other calculations. In the case of Social Security, the federal government calculates your benefits based on your lifetime earnings, average year salary over the course of the highest 35 years. So if you don't have us all 35 years filled in, be warned that they will factor in a zero for every year that you're short. You know, make up for those kind of lower earning years if you have a if you can by those working a couple of years later into your retirement. Um, are their peak years rather than retiring early. Uh, consider some of those factors in there, but make sure that you're aware that it's the 35 highest earning years that you have. So try to fill sure. those in. Yeah, that's that's good advice. But does that include those high school and college years of part-time work I did? <laughs> good point, Tony. I mean, if you have less than 35 years of full-time work, it'll count towards those part-time years. So the more full-time years you can accrue, the higher your benefit's going to be. So- Another question I have about Social Security is I hear full retirement age. That's the age at which we can begin collecting or collecting the full amount, right? Uh, and that age can increase, obviously, Simon? Correct, Tony. And that should come as little surprise. You know, the full retirement age could be adjusted in the future if life expectancy continues to increase, just like we had pointed out previously um, in the past that's happened along the way from them increasing the retirement age of 65 to 67. One of the other key factors is to determine the best return for your spouse. You know, married couples have two ways of gathering Social Security. A person can claim his or her own benefit or collect a spousal benefit. A spousal benefit helps when one spouse earns significantly higher than the other. 
as a lower earning spouse and is entitled to at least 50% of the higher earning spouse's benefit. In order to gain that full 50%, the lower earning spouse must wait till their full retirement age. Otherwise, it'll be reduced below that 50% if they begin collecting earlier. This also applies to divorced spouses as well. So assuming that you were married for at least 10 years and not remarried, this is an option that may be available to you. And similarly, widowers or widows have that spousal benefit available to themselves. In all these cases, you should be aware that there are more complex and beneficial strategies of combining the spousal benefit in conjunction with your own. Simplistically, delay collecting your own benefits and gain the growth on your own benefits while you collect the spouses first. This isn't available to everybody, but it may apply. Um, So, you know, in other words, Tony, seek some education uh, from a good source before going to Social Security and filing as there is a lot more going on when it comes to filing for social security than many people are aware of, or that will be discussed when you're sitting there with social security. Right. Well, Hey, we're almost out of time for this week's show. It flew by Baron. Uh, is there anything you want to add to kind of wrap up our discussion today? All right. Well, some final tips, Tony, just first and foremost, you know, make sure that your employment and funds paid into your account, check out with social security. I actually went online and opened an account and found out that my paper statement amount was different than what was uh, being said online. So I called Social Security and got it straightened out. Um, Also, just wanted to touch base as far as, um, you know, how people can get a little bit more income. You know, as we mentioned in the uh, article, how to reset retirement plans to weather a downturn. Um, Ideally, retirees would have enough guaranteed income from Social Security and pensions to cover all their basic expenses. Um, but if they don't, they may be able to create more guaranteed income using fixed annuities. Um, fixed annuities allow buyers to pay a lump sum to an insurance company, typically in exchange for monthly payments that can last a lifetime. I actually have, uh, an indexed annuity with a guaranteed income rider because my wife is eight years younger than I am. She's going to be around for a good long time after I'm gone. So I want to make sure that she's blessed and that'll continue for the rest of her life. Um, Covering those expenses with guaranteed income can actually free retirees to take on more risk with their investment portfolios, which over time can give them better returns and more money to spend to leave to their kids. They'll be able to invest more aggressively and still sleep at night because they don't need that money to fund their day-to-day retirement expenses. That's awesome. Well, great advice on today's show, guys. We're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we go today, Simon? We just want to thank the listeners again for tuning in. Um, We've got a lot of good resources, tools available on the website and here at the office. we got some good reports for maximizing Social Security and giving you some insight there, as well as analyzing your risk and looking forward to your future income plans. So reach out to us. Give us a call at 855-793-2409. Take advantage of that complimentary consultation. Uh, let us give you some feedback and some insight into what's going on. Make sure that you're on the right track or get you started. Visit us on the web, wellingtonadams.com. All right, and that does it for today's episode of Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com.
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.